Welcome back, everybody, to the Magic Cast. This is Greg, and it is February, which makes us exactly two, that's eight, six months ahead of our year apart podcasts. Amazing. Talk about progress, everyone. I've got Julian. I've got Alex. That's right. The original godfathers of the Magic Cast with me here. Gentlemen, how are you? Hi, guys. Quite well. How are you doing, Greg? Yourself. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, that's good so, to hear. Yeah, you know, we made a promise when we did the uh, beginning of the year pod that, like, we weren't going to do like last year and do a preview pod and then another preview pod a year later. So I, I feel good from the standpoint that, you know, we, we've kept that promise. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, probably not the way that we wanted to keep it, but we technically <laughs> didn't break it. So that, that is correct. That is correct. So. There you go, everyone. We've got it all ready for you. And we've got a lot to talk about. We're talking about the season thus far at a high level as best we can. Maybe we'll mention the stadium. Maybe we won't. Who the heck really knows what's going on? And by the time that we actually get the words out of our mouth, it will likely change anyway. But for poops and giggles, maybe we'll touch on it a little bit. But we've got players. We've got coaches. We've got games. We've got performances. We've got tournaments. We've got leagues. Where do we want to start? Julian, I'm going to throw it at you. Uh, why don't you give us your thoughts, just very high level, and we'll go around the, the, the proverbial table here, uh, but give me your high level of last pod to this pod. Do you think this team is where you thought they'd be last time we recorded? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I do think so. I think. I didn't go back and listen to the last podcast. I have no idea what I said. Um. But I remember feeling pretty confident going into the season, and it's it's really a shame. I feel like this Roma side this year, and especially with the form that we're getting into right now, which is probably the perfect time you want to start peaking, is, is just so unfortunate to be playing in a time where there's another team that just refuses to get weaker, refuses to drop points, and refuses to lose its stranglehold on the title because... Man, I, I think back to Garcia's first season, how great that Roma was. You know, one of the best teams ever to finish second in the league, if not the best one, points-wise, the best points-wise Roma ever, and still came up short for the title. Um, and this year, I think, I mean, I think we have a phenomenal team. I truly do. And I think that Spalletti switched to like a 3-5-2, Jaco hitting the form of his career, um, Salah playing at the highest notes, I, the only sour point for me really has been Florenzi and, you know, finding out this week that the poor kid hurt himself again and he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, that's really been the only sour thing here. Um, because I think we've seen a team really, really grow into something special. And we've seen players like Fazio, who we thought was going to be a second string center back at best, maybe, uh, actually turn into one of the league's standout de- defenders. Um, Emerson has turned into a fantastic young player. Spalletti stuck with him, and he's really become something truly, truly special, a really great workhorse, um, so much so that it seems like he's keeping some of the other fullbacks who are healthy now, like on the bench, like Rui. Um, so overall, I want to say yes. Um, it's just unfortunate. I feel like this is the story of Roma, where, you know, for years we were struggling in 6th and 7th, and we couldn't get it together, and now we, we do have it together. We have a truly exceptional, exceptional team from front to back with some really good depth on the bench. And it's just unfortunate that it's still not enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to agree with Julian's sentiment that, that the team we have now is so, perhaps, it's definitely one of the best, if not 
the best uh, team we have lined up for uh, the last 20 years. But um, perhaps maybe the problem is, and it always have been, that the first 11 uh, is strong, but the thing that keeps us back from perhaps competing with uh, Juventus is, you know, um, we always line up the same players when perhaps they get like Nangolan, when, when will he be rested? When will, can we afford to rest him? And then we have players, you know, I might not agree with Julian on the, um, the depth. I think we have good players. I just don't think we have players able to fill the shoes of our most vital players. I think that's the main issue, but I mean, I don't, I don't think we can complain. I mean, we play great football, we have a great coach, and we have great players. It just, uh, it's frustrating, but a bit, uh, understandable that we struggle to compete with Juventus when you see how many strings they can play on in terms of squad rotation and, and stuff like that. So, I guess if I'm, I'm if I'm worrying about anything, I, I think it's that the players will be worn out. Perhaps that's the main issue right now. But this is a team that's performing at a level you you're, you figured they would be at the beginning of the year, right? Mm, uh, well, I I was I was confident that we would be we would be in the Champions League run, but. Um, Maybe not as strong as we are looking, and uh, especially like a player like Tseko, because if you go back a podcast or two, uh, how many times haven't I spoken about he's a second-tier striker? Right. Uh, and then just give the man confidence, and suddenly he's exceptional. So, um, you know, the ketchup effect, uh, I don't know. We have to... <laughs> I have to bury that one, maybe. Alex, why, why, don't, why don't you enlighten the world again, in case, you know, just in case they've been living under a rock and they haven't quite caught on to the the phenomenon that is the catch-up effect, and uh, tell everybody what that is exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's when you want just a small drop of ketchup on your fries uh, from the Heinz bottle, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you don't get anything, so when you... When you knock or hit the the bottle, you get everything. So it's everything or nothing. That's the ketchup effect. Perhaps little known secret on the glass bottles. When you're going to hit the bottle, hit the 57s. That loosens it up. Just throwing that out there for anybody that didn't know. You know, as a metaphor for Seku, I think that was spot on in yep. his in his years in. Manchester City and his first year in Roma, but uh, as I spoke with a friend who was a City fan, he wasn't that surprised that he actually turned out great for us this year, because I think it's all um, about giving confidence to the players, and in Manchester City, you don't have the privilege to to be out of form, or, uh, you know, they have another striker that can play instead of you, while in Roma, luckily, we don't have uh, a second wise circle. So to just trust in him and give him what Spalletti did when the fans was, you know, bashing him. I mean, look at the guy this year. It's incredible. Yeah, no, his, uh, he's doing a, a great job, but, you know, he, he still has plenty, uh, plenty of moments where he reminds us of why he had the issues he had last year. Um, 
you know, it's kind of a, a bit of a uh, an analogy to or analogous to Destro, who had that great strike rate. But you're like, my God! But he missed so many chances that he should have scored. Same thing. I mean, he's having a phenomenal year. I'm trying. I don't want to be taking anything away from the guy. But think of how many like clear open chances he had. I think it was a couple games ago. Uh, somebody centered the ball to him, and he's standing in the middle of the box by himself, and he heads it pretty much right at the goalie into the into the ground right at the goalie. And I mean, that's pretty much got to be in the back of the net. Um, and you know, he's just he just has those moments. And you know, in the back of my mind, because that's what set him on the tailspin last year was I mean, he missed like three or four like wide open nets. Oh yeah, the Palermo game. Yeah, how many is he? Is he just one of those away from going on another confidence tailspin? But you know, he keeps going back out there, and he keeps proving to everybody that you know he's he's got what it takes, and he's doing a bit more. Like the goal he scored um, uh, this past game, uh, I think was really nice because you know it was a bit of a longer shot. He had to move a little bit with the ball. Um, I think it gave him a little bit too much confidence because some of his decision making the rest of the game was built around that that scoring play. But um, you know, it's not just tap-ins, you know, around the the front the goal mouth. So uh, I, I like the fact that he's scoring in a lot of different ways now, and that makes it harder for defenses to defend him, and then by extension everybody else. I think uh, having Salah back is fantastic for our offense. Um, we just need to, you know, getting kind of a little bit off topic here, but hey, that's the La Magicast way, perhaps. Um, one of the things that was great about the start of the Rudy Garcia, Garcia era that you referenced earlier, Julian, was just how well the team played together and they attacked in waves. Right? We've always talked about Roma's very successful when they attack in waves, and then they just fell in love with the speed on the outside, with Gervinho, etc., and then it just became hump it up to them and then hope that they can provide some magic going one or two on three or four. And that just didn't cut it. And teams started sitting back, and we didn't really have an answer for that. And at times, under Spalletti the second time around, um, you've seen a little bit of that, uh, but they're far more capable uh, against teams that that wait back, and they're far more capable uh, of playing the short game. Um, And I think uh, you saw some of those goals... Uh, again, this this past game where, you know, with the game a bit, or the, the pace of the game not really kind of dictating too much, but it doesn't mean that Salah wasn't a threat because he was stretching the defense every chance he could. Um, as far as my own answer to the question, um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm kind of in the same boat, right? I, I figured they'd be, <laughs> you know, behind Juventus because they, they really need some sort of catastrophic failure, and catastrophic failure for them means, like, losing a game or two. Um, now they've, they've dropped more points this year and given more opportunities, but, you know, Roma has continued to do Roma things and drop points against teams that they shouldn't have dropped. And, and that's really kind of, uh, you know, the, the tail of the tape because historically, you know, all these times that they've come in second place, they've had these, like, you know, can do attitudes, teams less, you know, superstar players than the, the teams above them. Uh, or and sometimes even below them, uh, but they just play enough to to kind of play high enough above their level to get to that second place finish. And now we have a team that we I think all agree could win, 
and it's just impossible because you know Juve is just not dropping enough points. So, yes, they they are performing well. I'm not surprised at all by the improvements uh, in Spalletti's game. Um, a lot of the things that may have dogged him his first go round, he seems to have really kind of shored up from a you know tactical and nuanced perspective. So very very happy with the team. Um, and I guess Julian, you kind of talked a little bit about. Uh, some of the defenders uh, and the improvements in play there. Uh, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I want to comment on a few things you guys said first, and I'll, I'll head into that. Um, so one thing that you just mentioned, Greg, was the improvements that Spalletti's made compared to last time. I was just on um, Soccer Way. I was looking at some stats for the team, and um, we haven't had a player sent off during a match this season in the league, um, which I think is kind of phenomenal when you consider that the hallmark of the old Spalletti era was like these blackouts. And we would see, you know, I, w- I don't want to say we saw red cards frequently, but I do feel like we had ejections at the worst possible times. Um, this season, I mean, the, there's not been a single straight red to any of, of the players. And no player's been booked twice in one match for, you know, a double yellow red um, either. But so, didn't, uh, well, besides Champions League, the Rossi Emerson, didn't Fermalen get... Oh, that was the other Porto game. And yeah. The, uh, okay. I mean, so obviously we have some work to do in the Champions League. But in the league, it's been really good. Um, the disciplinary record's been pretty solid, and that's something to be applauded too. And um, in terms of pl- giving players rest... Um, I I agree. I think we probably need to use our depth a little bit more. Uh, yeah, but that wasn't the point, though. I think I just think like you have good players on the bench, but compare them to the world class bench of Juventus, you won't get the same class. Correct. Even. Although I think that which has always been the case. Yeah. Right. Juventus's thing is just I don't know. I don't. I I think that they are able to take a player like Rincon. And they just have a mentality about them where I don't know if their bench is necessarily better than our benches. I mean, some players for sure, right? Like, if they're keeping Dybala on the bench, I would gladly take him in a heartbeat over, you know, someone like Grenier, who I actually kind of forgot was on the team until right now. Um, but they have a way of just taking... They'll take anybody and turn them into a superstar. It's the Juventus way, and it's it's hard to beat a mentality. It just it reminds me so much of Sir Alex Ferguson's United, and I think that... That's the real shame of this is that I think Roma's mentality now is actually freaking superb. And I say this all the time on Twitter and, and the problem is like Roma are going to lose matches and Roma are going to draw matches. But I'm sorry, this is a phenomenal team and their record is a phenomenal record. The, the issue isn't what Roma do or don't do. If, if you have to be perfect in order to win a league, that's not an issue with your club. That means some, obviously there's a super club in that league. And I think that's that's the problem that Roma have. It's almost like being in the Bundesliga and you're by Borussia against this Bayern Munich side who can kind of sleepwalk their way through the league and pick up enough points to win no matter what you do. Right. Um, Sometimes even the best can slip. Uh, just we're a bit unlucky in that department as well because when you enter slip, we also slip. So yeah, and they don't slip often. I mean, they're they're perfect at home. They've played one more match at home than we have. We won all twelve at home. They won all thirteen. The only difference is away. They have eight wins and four losses. We have six wins, two draws, and five losses. But I, I mean, I'm sorry, a team that's 12 and 0 at home with six away wins and two draws and only five losses. Period. That's a that's a team that on paper should win a league. That's a league winning team, and it's league winning form, um, typically. So I think Roma are, are just a victim of circumstance, unfortunately. Um, 
Yeah, and 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 also it was pretty clear from the get go that Juventus had a an amazing team on paper. It was just a matter yes. of getting that that train, you know, the steam to to get rolling. So yeah. Although I mean, it, there's there's little to separate the sides. I mean, they've scored 53 goals. We've scored 54. So we we've actually scored one more goal than they have, and they've conceded five fewer. Um, which is, I mean, a, a healthy amount, but we've only allowed 22 goals. This is the second best defensive team in the league and the second best offensive team in the league. And we're second, so I guess it makes sense. But you would think that with those stats, it would be, a, it wouldn't be so tight. We wouldn't be so close to Napoli. We wouldn't be, you know, so far away from Juva, but it's just the stranglehold that Allegri and, and Juventus have. So I just wanted to address that because I think it's, um, it undermines Roma a little bit to say that Oh, it's classic Roma that we get so close, but not there yet. I just, I, I thoroughly, I think that undermines the, just how good this does. And not that you guys have brought this up, but I've seen this before. I've seen so, it's, it's scenario though. It's, it's played out the same way, right? It doesn't matter how you got there. The scenario is the same of there just always seems to be something in the way in the past. Maybe it's been Roma more than anybody else, but now right. it's actually our opponents, which is well, fair, fair, fair play to them. Agreed. Agreed. I just think that that does make. All the difference in the world before Roma got in Roma's way. Now Roma's not in Roma's way anymore. Roma are actually cruising. Roma are in top gear flying and there's just a faster car on the streets. That's all. I just want to say one quick, a thing that might be a lot bigger than, uh, I mean, I haven't seen much or read much about it, but I think this is perhaps the first season we're not totally dependent. I mean, we have tried to be line up uh, a team without him many times before, um, but we always go back to, you know, our captain. But this season is perhaps the first season where things work smoothly without him as, yeah. a, as a main, you know, uh, our main guy on the pitch. And... Um, when you think about it, that's perhaps have been our biggest hurdle to 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 manage and prepare for the days when he you know retires. Because every time we like last year we struggled, and then uh, when he and he had the spat with uh, Spalletti, uh, you know they they sorted that out, and he came back and he saved us. Uh, yeah, I mean, how times. many times in the last season did we see a free kick, a penalty, a uh an assist at the end of a game to to get us a point or three. Yeah, and, and this year he he plays a role, an important role, of course. But he's not. We're not dependent on Totti to save us, and that's. I guess it's a bit sad because that's that's what made us special before. But right now, it's what this team needs. It needs to gel without Francesco Totti, and yes. uh, it does, and it's comforting. But it still benefits from him being there. Yeah, I think which is the a huge distinction, right? Like uh, he he's not a uh, a distraction, uh, even when he's when he's playing. But he's I think in, they, he's they're most benefiting in- from his yeah him being around. He's and you know the relationships are are strong and the team seems to be doing well and the the relationship with the coach is good and uh, there just seems to be you know everybody's understanding of what their uh, their job is. On and off the pitch, and that having that in place at Roma, which we've not seen very often, uh, I think is critically important to the success that this team is having. To the point where you get somebody like 
Raja Nangalan who says, despite all these large offers from everywhere else, uh, this is where I want to play. At, at least until the summer. Yeah, and credit to Spalletti because if you told me two years ago that Roma would not have Pjanic and Totti would barely be playing and that we would not be struggling at all to create goals, I would have wondered which amazing Verratti-esque midfielder we signed, and we didn't. That's the amazing thing. You look at this team. We basically got rid of Pjanic and Totti, and we didn't try to replace them at all. We decided to focus on width and possession more than craftiness, and we finally, finally, finally have a striker who can finish off the numerous chances this team creates just because attacking is in this team's DNA. And it makes such a difference when you have a focal point like Dzeko who can get on the end of crosses and who can get on the end of cutbacks. And you know what? If Dzeko were Higuain, I think he would probably be close to 30 goals instead of close to 20 because I think he he would be banging him in left and right. And it's, you know, it's again, in so many ways, it's classic Roma. Dzeko having an amazing season and he's actually tied with Higuain who like very quietly has been having also a superb season. I just feel like everyone's talking about Dzeko. Because of what he was like last season versus Higuain, who set the bar so high. It's, it's also the the PK argument, though, right? I think Higuain has seven penalties. Um, I can actually look this up right now and let you know. It's it's some number, a lot more than. Jack <laughs> only has one penalty, and of yeah. course, he infamously missed one uh, just yeah. last that's, game or two that's, games. That's ago. what I'm talking about with him. <laughs> it's just right. Like, okay. He, he is like, always one second away from some giant cluster of you know reminding us of. Who he, who he is at times. Um, let's see. So, no, Higuain actually has no penalties for Juventus. He has none. He has none? I thought I he heard. Has none. I don't think they've had many penalties this season. Um, they said something about it on the, the, the game against uh, Torino, so I, I must have uh, misheard. I think they just have two penalties. Uh, yeah, so Dybala is their penalty taker now, yeah. at least when he's on the pitch and they get one. Um, and he scored both of them. Um but, so, yeah, I mean, remarkable, but again, how, how Roma yeah, is... Huh. I mean, it's the, the guy, yeah. I mean, what, did 36 goals last year? Yes. Um, just amazing, and he's doing it again. You know, he, he's putting up another phenomenal season, so... Yeah, 36 last year. to him. I mean, uh, it, you know, it, it's not easy to make transition. It's not easy, you know, getting on uh, a new team and, and doing all this stuff over the last spell, so... Kudos to him for, you know, playing up to the levels that he's capable of. And same to, to Jekko. I mean, you gotta, you gotta give the guy credit. It's been a long time since we had somebody put up, you know, this, these kind of numbers, so. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I tweeted out with a spelling error in it, um, because I was on my pixel and I don't have all the names in yet, but whoever, whatever, who cares? Um, we really haven't had a forward like this probably since Batistuta. Ah, uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why you spelled it wrong. Maybe that's why I spelled it wrong. I just can't say, I'm incapable of saying his name. Um, but since Badigo was here, like, we haven't had a striker banging in the goals like this. Um, and it's remarkable because we have, I don't know, we, we've talked about this before on this pod somewhere probably years and years ago, um, one or two pods back, where we were talking about the strikers that we've had and why we've been so totally dependent and, like, who's really come in. And, yeah, we've had Vucinic and we have Boriello. But we never had a player like this, Jekyll, in his prime, who who is such a focal point for this team. Um, I think it's more about we didn't want a player like Seko before, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, if you if you look at the team today compared to to the you know the last ten years, it's it's a big shift from going f- from that Totti dependent role where he more or less absorbed that you know 
the Prima Punta role because when you played Totti and he was getting older, we just decided to play without that, you know, big target man up front. And I think that was the problem for Roma for many years because we more or less said, well, it, it could be good to have that kind of player, but where is he supposed to play? And when, you know, uh, Totti has found his role as a uh, squad player, more or less, instead of a, the most important player and the first name on the pitch, uh, this team is, it's muscle, it's, the machinery is more everything working together. Before it was Casano and Totti making, you know, beautiful crazy, music. beautiful yeah. music. Yeah, but now everyone is, every instrument is important, if you know what as I mean. We, as we look, at, look back at those times, though, I think it was more than just the upfront player, more than trying to find somebody to either replace Totti or to play as he does. I think, again, it's, it's always been the case for the success from the team the midfielders have been the driving force. And you look at what, you know, I mean, obviously, Protti plays up high a lot, but, you know, they, they all come back. They all track back. What Nainggolan has been able to transform his position into, uh, you know, what, what all these players do, getting the ball upfield and, and how easily, easily, I'm just going to relish this, Easily, Strutman coming back has replaced that other guy that went somewhere with Team with Stripes. Um, well, that's, I think that's an interesting point because I have to be honest, I love Kevin Strutman to death. I do not think he's been the same since coming back. He's um, not, he doesn't have the pace, but the, the, the football skills, the knowledge, the, the, the playing the game in his head and knowing where to be and what to do has completely come back in my mind in my opinion i think he's been phenomenal i think he does a lot of little things extremely well shadow working play going to block a, you know to stop the other team to keep mm -hmm. the play going offensively guiding the team moving the players around like his his football sense is second to none yeah so i mean if I, you look at if you look at the midfielders though and like how they've all played and and including the wings uh, as well. That's, that, to me, has what w was missing all those other years because we just didn't have those parts, right? How long were we searching for fullbacks? How long were we searching for, like, you know, a, a decent offensively capable and defensively capable midfield that could help provide that support and make those layered attacks? Now we have that, and now we're, we're reaping the, uh, the benefits. Well, just to, to as an example, I mean, we had... Destro, we mentioned Destro. His problem, when he was scoring the goals, he never tracked back. I mean, he was useless in every other aspect of the game. You can take away the goals from from uh, from the circle in the in the games, and you would still say, well, he played one hell of a game because he involved himself in every aspect of the game, defensively and offensively. And and I think the same goes when we had Pjanic. I mean, offensively, he could do a, a lot more than Strutman does. But defensively, Strutman does a lot of shadow work. And, you know, the unit in this team defensively is... I mean, it, we can say Fazio, Manolas, Rudiger, I mean, they are amazing. They have been amazing this year. But that's thanks to the whole unit. 
And, and that I agree. So so I think with Strupman, I agree with Julian that he's been a bit. Uh, I, I would expect a bit more. But that's offensively when when he has the ball. But, but defensively, he's running all over the place, and he does those things that helps out the teammates. And that's where we're stronger this year, physically, defensively, and mentally as a unit. And that's let's why bring in a reader question. So we had someone come in who said, piggybacking off of what you were just saying, Alex. Rome has been excellent in 2017. So this is from Vinrix on Twitter. Um, do you see this type of play being sustained to make serious pushes in all competitions? What do you guys think? I mean, we beat Villa, Villa Real uh, 4-0 away, so that that's a good sign, I guess. Agreed. I think that means, uh, you know, progress in the Europa League is all but assured for at least this round. We kind of have to see how it goes. Yeah, I don't see any reason that this this style of play wouldn't be sustained, barring... Injury. You know, if Jaco goes down injured, we're going to have some issues. If Nangolan goes down hurt and he misses the rest of the season, that's going to be a pretty devastating blow. But then we're going to have to see how how much can Paredes step up, and hopefully his goal this past uh, weekend can give him some of the confidence to be able to, because um, he hasn't really been played much this season. And then we have another question about him, actually. Um, for a good reason, absolutely. Um, what do you think, Greg? you think we can sustain this for him? Yeah, I don't, I don't see any issues with sustaining the form. It may not always equal three points in every match, but uh, that's and that's the thing that if people need to keep in mind, if you know yes. we do tie and then lose a match, it's not because Roma suck all of a sudden. It's because you can't win every single match. Correct, correct. Like if you know they they need to play their game. I think they're they're going to finish out, and this is kind of you know Spalletti's way, and he obviously makes his adjustments based on their opponents, but. I think he really wants them to believe that if they play their game, they're going to be okay. And yeah, sure, sometimes things happen and, and it just bounces don't go your way. You drop a, a draw or you have a loss here and there, but um, I don't see why they can't, you know, continue to play. They had a, a stretch there where it was like one nothing games, two one games. They weren't lighting the world on fire, but but who cares? They were doing enough things right. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't like the pragmatism of Renieri, who was getting those same score lines, right? It was still them playing their same game. Uh, you know, teams were maybe they were sitting a little bit back, or maybe they had a couple bad breaks and hit, you know, posts or goalies made good plays. I mean, they're there for a reason, right? Uh, so I, I think that they can keep up the form, whether it equals the same results, you know, TBD, but I, I definitely see them, you know, obviously it's not, Massive stretch to say they're going beyond the round of 32. Uh, but you know, I mean, look at the teams left and they are all easily on Roma's level or, you know, in some cases above, some cases below, uh, remaining in uh, Europa. So it's not going to be easy, uh, you know, getting past this. Even, even Villa was easy. Um, I don't know. I would say, Greg, I think that if we play the way we've been playing, I think we could take on any of these teams. I, I agree. Of course we can. Of course. I'm just saying, you know, it, obviously the farther you get in any tournament, the more difficult it's going to be. And well, I was looking at the teams remaining, and, like, there's there's some really, really good teams left, uh, and that will be advancing in our potential um, uh, opponents. Or is this one of those things that we are, we're already locked into who we're going to play? Um, let's actually take a look. Let's see who's next and what the schedule yeah. is. I'm going to pull it up really quickly here. 
So um, e- either way, though, I mean, I think I think they've got the players. I, I do think a lot of the points that were made earlier are, are accurate. Um, looking at injuries, looking at uh, players like Aparedes, you know, really needing to kind of step up. I thought he actually played very well. Goal aside, he made some really nice passes. Uh, my issue with him, and it, I don't know yet whether it's a, an actual issue or not based on his role, but in a lot of games, I sometimes forget he's out there. Oh, you know what? We'll get into him in a second. We actually have a question. Before we go there, I just want to okay. go through the um, Europa League real quick because we should touch on this. I mean, now this is Roma. Ro- this is Roma in Europe. So we could be knocked out by the smallest of small sides. But looking at the form we're in now, the only teams I, I would be like, okay, this is going to be tough. Tottenham Hotspur, um, Man United, maybe Schalke, though I don't think they've been terribly good this season. That's kind of it. I mean, out of the remaining teams, I mean, Shakhtar, you know, they, I'm always going to have nightmares about them. Yeah, I mean, but, don't forget, there are teams that just perform better in that tournament. True. Than they actually are. But no one else has really done that, at least in the first leg yet. I mean, Athletic won 3-2 against AP, um, Athletic Club Apoel, Nicosia, Nicosia, I think. I'm probably um, butchering that. But they won 3-2 at home in a, in a game you probably thought they would have just walked through. You say um, Batistuta again? Yeah, exactly. Um but I think you have to be a bit lucky with the the schedule as well. I mean, if you get the, these games in the middle of a big uh, showdown with Juventus, there's no doubt right. that, that Roma will rest the most sure. important players. Uh, and then just uh, just to say this as well, the, the next round hasn't been determined yet. It will be, it looks like the 24th. So I guess this week we have the second legs. Um, yep, we have the second legs this week and then on between Wednesday and Thursday and then on Friday the draw for the next round happens. Um, uh, but I, I will say that in terms of Europa League, to win the whole thing is, I don't, I don't think so much about that as much as I think about uh, if we end up on the third in the, in the league, we want those points for the playoff. Uh, so we don't end up unseated again. Yes, Roma need, um, well, I, I think that the fourth spot's coming back to Italy either way, but in terms of just finishing second, I, I would agree. We can't finish third again like, um, like we did last season. I mean, there's a, it's Napoli and Roma. I mean, some, one of those teams will end up on third. And then for Roma to, to do well in Europe now is, is, is important in terms of, uh, if they end up in the qualification, we don't want to draw a team like Porto, who is and can be equally good as they proved. Sure. All right, let's go. So that was a little segue just to cover the Europa League. We did have a question from Dare to Today on Twitter, who asked, "What our take on Paredes is this season?" Um, curious to see what you guys think before I hop on. Um, Greg, I think you had just started to get into it before I cut you off. Uh, yeah, I just uh, it's it's not too dissimilar from any other time uh, I've I've thought about him and that um, you know he just I I barely recognize that he's on on the pitch most games. I don't know whether it's just it's a bad thing that it's maybe he's just quietly going about and and doing yeoman's work uh, or if he's just not impactful enough on the game and not doing enough to actually uh, impact the game in any positive way. Um, that being said, you know he did he did seem to be a bit more commanding uh, with his passing uh, this past game, uh, but by and large, I mean I, I just I very very rarely remember him actually <laughs> playing. 
playing when he's actually playing. So, uh, you know, all these, these rumors of, of the, the deals in the transfer windows and everything, I'm like, take it, take, take it and run with it. You know, we, we can, we can find somebody, uh, to slot in there that's gonna put just, provide just as much nothing that he's providing right now. Uh, I mean, obviously there's a potential upside. Um, but Roma, you know what? We can't really be in the upside game anymore. So, uh, unless we have the time with which to give him for the role that he's in and the amount of minutes that he could potentially get, I'm fine with a serviceable veteran that's not going to make mistakes. I don't think this is about if the guy has talent or not. Or not. I mean, the, the, the kid will be, uh, has a huge chance of becoming a great player. I mean, it depends on if Spalletti will be the coach next year or not. Because as long as we play like we play, I don't think there's room for Paredes to play that big role. I think that Roma have a Paredes problem. And I think the problem is, what do we expect and want from this kid? And how are we going to make that happen? Here's a list of players who have played fewer minutes in the league than Paredes for Roma this season. Alessandro Florenzi, who's been injured for months. Juan Jesus, who's been so horrendous he only plays as a last resort. Thomas Vermeulen, who's been a mixture of injured and just completely terrible. Francesco Totti, who's 40. Gerson, who, I mean, I don't even want to get into that case because that's another one that's a little baffling to me. Mario Rui, who just became fit. And then Grenier, who has played one minute um, as a sub, who we got in January. That's it. Everybody else on the roster who's a senior player has played more minutes than Leandro Paredes. He's 22. He has only started eight matches this season, and he's been subbed on ten times. But I, I, I don't find that shocking because every other player that's not mentioned now is the core of the team. I don't think Correct. there's. I don't think there's any. And also a lot better. But well, here's, the here's right where it gets interesting. Though. Here's where it gets interesting is that if if and maybe we didn't, but let's entertain this notion for a second that we thought of Paredes as a Pjanic replacement. If we brought in this young player who had a very good season at Empoli last year to come on and play as a regista, a deep line playmaker, um, or even let's say a more advanced playmaker, he's running into a few problems. Number one is that the team is functioning pretty well without that role, and instead we have just two workhorses in Nangolan and Strutman who are covering ground and putting in work, but not in a typical regista way. I think you would think of them more as a box-to-box midfielder, um, more or less, very physical, very hounding. Now, they both play almost identical minutes, actually, Nangolan and Strutman. They have 1,974 for the Belgian. Strutman has 1,961. De Rossi has 1,570. Salah's got 1,454. So we've logged major, major minutes into our midfield, um... And so, but this is what I don't really understand. If we want this kid to come in and, and gel with the team, surely he needs minutes. He's played 834 minutes for this team over 18 appearances total. If we really wanted him to fit in, and this is the Roma conundrum, if we need to give him time to breathe and time to grow and time to fit in, he needs to play. And we need to rotate out through Manor Nangolan. The problem then becomes if we don't have Nangolan on the pitch, if we don't have Strutman on the pitch, and Paredes makes a mistake, like he very easily could have at Empoli, but when he's a young player at Empoli, no one really cares if he makes a mistake. If it's a team that's trying to win a title, every mistake is is vital, then that's not going to happen. 
So if we send a young player on loan to gain first-team experience and send, bring him back in, we should probably integrate him into the team pretty quickly so that he can keep his momentum and he can keep growing. What we're doing to him right now doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I think that what we're doing right now serves the team. Like Clearly, the, what the, is going very well right now is the team's form. The team is doing amazingly. We are logging very major minutes into players that's concerning to me. Um, Nangolan almost never comes... Oh, I mean, is almost ever present. Um, only three players have played more minutes than he has. Chesney, Jekko, and Fazio. Um, and Thruman is just coming back from a crazy long injury. And I saw a stat the other day that he has now played 10 matches in a row without being subbed off. I'm, I'm worried. I'm worried. This is the same club where Alessandro Florenzi tore ligaments in his knee, um, in succession without ever being fully healed. And we have a, we have a bad history injury with ACLs in recent times. So the way we treat minutes and rotation and the medical staff does concern me. If I know, Alex, I agree with you to an extent. If we're going to do this with Paredes, we might as well bring in an older player who's probably more mature and doesn't need to be integrated in the same way. I think we all get excited when we saw Paredes because it's been a very long time, not since Aquilani and De Rossi, really, have we seen a midfielder come through the Primavera or a young midfielder come through Roma and actually establish himself in the midfield. He had such a good year last year. I think we all thought that would happen this season. But I don't know. We need to decide what we're going to be. Juventus are the only club I can actually think of that integrate youth perfectly in because they have the, just the right balance of youth and then veteran players and they grow from each other, and they play each other perfectly. But when you're at the top, I think you have that... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have that uh, luxury. Because they, they ha- they've they won so many times, they know how to do it. You, you're learning from guys like Buffon and Bonucci, these, these winners who, who have it in them. They can teach a guy like Rugani how to play. We don't have that at Roma. We don't have that mentality. We don't have that luxury. And so... This is a big question the club needs to answer um, because I don't think another season of this is good for either. So are we? do we want to start integrating him or are we going to sell him and then bring in someone else? But, um, yeah, I mean, that, I don't, that's, I don't know the that's the thing uh, where we more or less said in the beginning of the podcast that the, the difference between us and uh, a team like Juventus is that we have great talent and but we don't have great end product uh, in in terms of Gerson could well, we bought him because me and you he had the talent obviously Roma is not the right environment for him so he would probably be sold or uh, loaned uh, to another club um, in terms of Paredes he's a you know he, he's a rotation kind of player i don't think he would have he would have played a lot more if he was the perfect fit for the unit. But doesn't it, doesn't it raise questions like what, what was our intention with Paredes and Gerson at the beginning of the season? And why together have they not even broken the 1000 minute mark in the league? Because the like, other players are, you know, the reason we all keep winning is, is, you know, the team that Spalletti have chosen every weekend is the team he, means we'll get us the three points. So, I mean, um, perhaps playing with Paredes wouldn't have changed much, but I just think it speaks volumes that he haven't played as much because obviously Spalletti sees that he's not, you know... Yeah, I, th- I think that's the one thing that's missing from your your argument here is that if if the coach doesn't think he's good enough to provide that, then that's your answer. I mean, it's not about 
Roma's inability to get a young player the appropriate amount of minutes. Uh, it's about the minutes he's been given. He's just been, you know, non-impactful. So but that's but that is part of my argument is that in his role for a player who's never been part of this side before, who just joined the team this past summer, I don't think it's fair to say he hasn't been given it yet. He, I don't think he's been given the opportunity to even show it. I mean, he showed at Empoli last season, and you know, different club, different expectations, granted. But he showed that when he's an ever-present constant, constant in the middle of the pitch, he can be impactful. He can do a lot of really good dirty work really well, and he can be a very slick player on the ball. But if you want someone, uh, someone a regista or uh, a midfield kind of run-the-show kind of player needs to actually play to get into a rhythm, to get into a feel for how his teammates move and how they run, it's not a player you can throw on once a month and be like, well, look, he's not performing. That's that maybe makes sense for a more individualistic kind of player, but Paredes to me is a systemic player, and if we want a systemic player in the team, he has to be part of the system. And he right now he's on the outside looking in, and that's what confuses me because when I watched him at Empoli, I, I didn't once think this is the kind of player you throw in, um, you know, once a month, once every five games. We see how he does, and then we'll put him back on the bench. It's, it was clear to me back then that he needed to play every minute. Now, if some people just don't think he's good enough, then you know, fine. Maybe they genuinely don't think he's good enough. I I don't think I don't think we can say I think the jury's out because we haven't given him a chance to really show yeah, what he can I, do. I can yeah. agree with that, but I I think he's not ready yet to play that role, uh, and I wouldn't give him, I wouldn't play him just to play him to make him ready because we already have that unit that's you know it, it brings home the bacon you know so I think if we choose to I will say this. I think we will keep Paredes because I think he's worth giving another season. And look at the other players. Like, if you give the guy confidence, he might blossom. But if we get an offer which is too big to, you know, too good to refuse, I think we should sell. Well, what is is that offer, though, in 2017? What's too big to refuse for a pretty talented 22-year-old young Argentine midfielder? It depends on uh, who we are planning to bring in for him because there's been uh, quite some names that I think could be uh, a good fit for Roma. Um, Thank you. What's the name? Is it Cassie? Isn't he a, a defender? Oh, from Atalanta. Yeah. I I just uh, this is this baffles me about um, and uh, not you, Alex. I, I've heard this just in general from Roma fans is that we bring in one young player we've been dying for, we give him six months, and suddenly we're on to the next one. I think Cassie is more physical, isn't he? In terms, he could. I mean, on paper, yes. On paper, I think he is more similar to Nangolan and Strutman than Paredes. Exactly. And but I think- then, I mean, the, the question is, how do we know, or what if it's the same thing again? He comes in, we give him six months. His first performance, you know, we play him out of position against Juventus. Everyone wonders why we spent so much money on him, and he's never seen again. I just, I don't think we're giving these young players enough consistency to. To really even show what they can do. So we can bring in Kessie fine. Maybe he's this phenom who comes in and he knocks De Rossi off of his starting spot for, you know, for the rest of time. Maybe, maybe. I just, I, we have never seen that before. Yeah. But I don't think, again, it's about talent. I think it's about, you want the, the yeah, you want it to fit. You don't want the square in a circle. It doesn't fit in terms of what pieces you have and, in terms of Paredes, I think it's obvious that there's some disconnect there. We kept him for a reason. I just, I don't see what the reason is. And, I mean, so to answer the question that was asked to us on Twitter, should we sell him? I would really love to see him given a good run out this spring. I would like to see him play in some consistent matches and see if he can get his groove and confidence back. 
if he can fit in and shows that he can be this square peg in a square hole, keep him. Let's brood him into this team. Let's let's get him in there. If he is a square peg in a round hole, then we sell him. And, you know, then maybe we move on to Kessie or someone like that. I just think as of today, if he leaves, I'm always going to be left wondering what if because it just seems like another player who was brought in, a very young guy, and just hasn't been given a chance to show what he can do. Yeah, and uh, He can be like, become like, uh, well, this is uh, perhaps a... Uh, uh, the wrong example, but take a player like Pirlo, who was in Inter, and they gave him away. And Inter can say they lost this one of the greatest Italian players of all time. They could say that, but I don't. Th- I don't think Pirlo would become the player he became without leaving Inter. If you know what I mean. Even if they knew they they wanted to give him the chance, there's something about being the right in the right club, and. Sometimes you know that, sometimes you don't. There's always, there will always be this in hindsight, you know. And and I think you will never know with Paredes in Roma. But I think if you know that next season he will still be this rotation player, but we believe there is a more perfect fit for Spalletti's system in another club, why yeah. wouldn't we try? It, it comes down to, and I think this is somewhat in the point Alex is trying to make, if you're going to take Nangolan, Strutman, and give them a day off, you want to be confident that the piece that you're putting in is going to get you 85 or so percent of the way to that player, right? They're starting, so that means they're obviously the number one choice. And if they're starting over someone, likely it's because that person that's not that's, that's on the bench is not quite as good. But they got to get you close to it. And right now... Paredes, I don't care if he's playing every minute or not. He's neither one of those those players. And and it's and it's there is in my mind an answer or the answer to that question or the the piece that I'm providing here is about skill. But at the same point in time, it's it's Alex's fit conversation. Now I don't I'm not saying that we couldn't succeed with a much more traditional regista. Don't forget he's not a traditional regista. He's quasi converted. I believe he was much more of an attacking midfielder, a cam at uh, at Boca. So he's only a few years into this kind of role, and yeah, he's only twenty two. I mean, this guy's got a lot of time still um, to figure out who he is and, and what's going to be his best uh, version as a as a professional footballer. So I just don't think that I'm making out my top eleven that. I'm completely comfortable slotting him in for either one of those two. Well, I got a question for you then, Greg. And it comes from Roma Rage on Twitter. And it is, what is one realistic sign you think would improve our squad at the moment? It actually kind of ties in to a question that Miguel Gutierrez, whose name on Twitter I believe is Sab Darobin, if I'm saying that correctly, um, also transfer related. So thinking about the summer and all the players to sell or buy, what's the priority? Goalkeeper, center forward, sell Manolas or Strutman. Thinking to keep Ninja and Fazio and not have trouble with fair play. I'm going to throw this one to you guys. Um, you guys know pretty well, I, I kind of hate talking about the Mercato. And yeah. I, I love the it's question. It's so early too. I mean, yeah. between now and then, the, the Mercato is always, in my mind, especially for a club like Roma, dictated by other moves that happen in the Mercato. So, it's very rarely is it like, oh, who would we like to just go out and get? Um, all things considered based on, you know, what a le- realistic budget is going to be, et cetera. But right. 
usually it's, well, because we sold this player, we now have to get that position, so let's try to get the best person at the be- at the best value. And it just depends, right? I mean, I this is a question. When we get closer to the summer, I'm sure we'll sit down, we'll take a look at, you know, what are the obligations we have to pay? Right. Part of the reason I'm not interested is just because it's not – number one, it's all out of our hands anyway. And number two, um, I feel like the Mercato, especially because of the rise of Twitter in football, has become bigger than the actual sport itself. And right now I feel like we're in such an exciting time for Roma with the players we currently do have. That's kind of what I want to focus on. Um, yeah. And, and the, the remaining couple months here could very much – like the results of which could very much dictate what exactly it is we need to get. Absolutely. Absolutely. We finish third. It's very different money-wise than if we finish second and we're going right into the group stage. It's just very different than yeah. if, or if we were. Or hole is exposed, et cetera. Right. Exactly. So I don't know. Do you want to say anything about that, Alex? But I think that's that's where I'm comfortable leaving the answer. Yeah. I mean, if I wanted to predict, I think Manolas will be sold. But that's about it. Well, I hope not. I certainly hope he stays. Yeah. Me too. But, you know, I mean, just circling back to way back in the beginning of the pod seven years ago. Um, well, this pod seven years ago, because reality seven years ago is actually pretty close. Um, but we talked about, you know, Fazio coming out of nowhere uh, and really just becoming a standout, uh, you know, center back and and how great Emerson has played, uh, especially after, you know, kind of a, a rough introduction to the squad. Um, I think even... Juan Jesus, who's been god awful the entire year, is actually slowly improving. Um, he's just starting to understand how to play within the system. Um, interesting player that I want to quickly talk to you guys before we get to the next question or wrap it up or whatever we're going to do. We actually have no more questions. So. Okay. Bruno Perez. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still waiting for the guy to do something. Am I wrong in that? Am I the only one in that camp? No, definitely not. He's been uh, underwhelming, to say the least. But um, it's weird. I mean, uh, he was a guy who was going to supposedly be the next Cafu, and then uh, we look, and, and Emerson was the worst thing that ever happened to Roma, and then they just decided to make Cafu out of Emerson. So, uh, while Paris has been, I don't know, I mean, he, he has a, a lot of ability. I mean, there's no doubt that he's great going forward, but, um, I, I think, I think it's just a matter of finding his place in yeah. the system. So, I, I don't I think he's been bad. No. I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just like, where's the thing that you do the thing that we got you for? Can you do that thing? Yeah, you know, I mean, thing. I wonder. Part of it was just, I mean, Bruno Perez was, I think, uh, in a lot of ways at Torino, kind of like a highlight reel player. People saw his solo running goal against Juventus. Um, I think that he's been fine uh, for the most part. He hasn't been superb. I, I think a lot of the hate seems kind of odd to me. Um, he's been an ever-present man in the second-best defense in the league. I mean, he plays for Roma. The fact that we have the second-best defense in the league means everyone back there is doing their job very well. Um, yeah, no, and, I agree. And Emerson, I think you're right, has been a revelation. And I think that Emerson is exciting because he's young, he's growing, he seems to be getting better and better. I'm, I'm actually thrilled with how Emerson's turning out. I don't think Bruno Perez has been that far behind him, though. Um, sometimes I, I'm watching Twitter. Okay, but just think about the words that just came out of your mouth, and that's well, exactly what Alex and I are trying to say. <laughs> my point is that, I, I guess, what is he not doing that 
we expect him to do because I think that he's he the there are some things that I guess that I think that he I expect a little bit better from him. I think that sometimes he loses the ball a little too easily, which surprises me. But yeah. I think it's part of his style is to be very aggressive and quick and one two and run run run. Sometimes I think it, it would serve him better to slow down a little bit and assess the options going on around him. But besides that, I I mean we've There's, seen his delivery and decision making ha- has been poor and the, there's having speed and then there's doing something with it. He has speed for speed's sake, but he doesn't use it enough, in my opinion, that it threatens the defense, that it opens up alleyways for other players. And I wonder um, if this is an interbase situation where Bruno Perez was playing for Torino before, who by nature were a little bit more, I don't know if they were necessarily counterattacking, I guess they kind of were. But they were just a team that you don't always expect to dominate possession. Now he's playing for Roma, which is a team that always has possession. So typically opponents are pinned back. Typically his role isn't going to have as much space to exploit anymore. So I wonder if this is just a transition for him. Um, Could be. Like I said, he's not playing poorly. You know, it's just like you get a guy because he does a thing. Like I said, you know, you do the thing. And I'm just waiting for him to do that and, like, really use the speed and create some mismatches on defense and, and deliver a good ball. I mean, he's like... He's borderline Florenzi-esque with his crosses lately, or this season. Yeah. That's an uh-huh. insult, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you can't possibly insult Florenzi to me, so that's good. <laughs> um, but I I, see, I do see what you're saying. I think that it, I think that uh, by and large, he's probably seventy percent, seventy five percent what I thought he would be. I do think he's probably missing that like final third or final fourth yeah. of polish. That's fair. Um, but I, I, you know, if he if he keeps on playing the way he is now, I think he's fine. I want him to be truly great, and he's not there yet. But I'm I'm actually I don't remember the last time we had two fullbacks that I thought were both just like perfectly serviceable doing their job. Even under Garcia, when I thought Dodo was pretty good, and you know, uh, Mike, Julian, you were too young for Capello. I was yeah. Well, I, I mean, since back then, and I was real. I was like a ten when we won the Scudetto under Capello. Um. So yeah, of course, but. But since yeah. then, you know, we've had some good fullbacks here and there, but it seems like it was always one flank or the other, and it was typically the right flank that had a really good fullback. Now we have two that I think are doing pretty damn well. So, um, I'm excited for Mario Rui to to get some more time. I don't too. know if he's fully recovered, but like the one, I mean, he's only played like what once or twice, and he has literally. You can tell the guy is comfortable in that in his position, you know. Yeah. Yes, and I, I thought he was kind of a dirty player. I wasn't thrilled when we signed him. Um, and I still, I mean, from what I've seen, I mean, I think he is a dirty player. I shouldn't hedge my bets here. I hope he proves me wrong while he's here, and I hope he just does a really good job defensively because it seems like he's that kind of sturdy fullback. Um, but I'm, I mean, again, yeah, we have a lot of exciting fullback options now for the first time. You know, who knew Emerson was going to be this good? Uh, Mario Rui. Um, I still think Florenzi gets so much hate, but you, if there's a kid that puts more heart and soul into playing wherever he's asked constantly, I, I don't think I've ever seen him. Um, uh, my only issue with him is his passing. I think every other bit of him playing that position is fantastic. Yeah, although positional. How many goals did he have last year? Like eight, seven, eight, something like that from that position. I mean, most of them were from that position. We can let me look it up for you. I'll let you know. So there's there's not just like you know joining the seven. rush. The guy the guy has a, a keen sense of of when to step in, uh, but also the pace and uh, and desire, as you just mentioned, to. To hustle back, should he need to get back on defense? I love I love Florenzi in that role, but I felt like we'd be even stronger as a team if he was not forced to play it. 
Agreed. I, I would love to see Florenzi, honestly, back in the midfield. I, I really miss him as a midfielder um, more than anything. All right, so let's take a look at a couple months we have, few months we have remaining here. We've already said that we feel like the team can keep up form. Yeah, I mean, but we have Inter away, and we have uh, Lazio, and, and we have Napoli. Yeah, I mean, There's a next, lot of tough games this next coming weeks. weeks. So, as of the recording of this, this Thursday we have second league of Villarreal, and then on Sunday we go away to Inter. So, as far as I'm concerned, in the Europa League this week, we should be playing almost complete, like, Fazio, Nangolan, Strutman, Jaco all need to rest. You know, you put out the second string side. Next Wednesday, then we go away. We are away, quote unquote, at Lazio for the Copa. We host Napoli that Saturday, March fourth, and then we have eight days off. We go away to Palermo, um, and then it eases up a little bit. We are once a week until. Well, and then there's a, there's actually another stupid break in the league um, at the end of March, and then second leg of Lazio is in um, early April. But of course, the Europa League hasn't been scheduled yet, so the next leg of that's going to be in here somewhere as well. So these next few, like the next week and a half, I think are by March second, or let's say March fifth. So after we get through second league at Villarreal, we know who our opponent is for Europa League. After Inter, Lazio, and Napoli between the league and the cup, I think we're going to have a very good sense of how sturdy are this Roma side. I agree. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting stretch for sure. Yeah. But I'm I'm uh, confident that we we won't you know we can't expect to win every game. But as long as we keep the pace and and pick the points that we should against the the, the smaller teams, I'm I'm confident that the top three with Napoli and Juventus is where Roma will end up in the long run. So I think. Since it will be a, a while until the next podcast, is it six months we usually do this? Yeah, um, let's say six months probably. I, I think the most uh, fingers crossed it'll be left. Yeah, I think uh, maybe we should do a, a, a one before the season ends if Francesco Totti actually, uh, if it will be his last games. But I, I think or if you want to hear me and Julian crying for an hour, <laughs> yeah, seriously, I don't that even sounds want to like fun. This but I actually think that Francesco Totti is, is a bit important in the message or in terms of what I've been trying to say and said this podcast is when we removed him in the team a few years ago, the whole team looked weaker. And I think by looking at the team today, if we remove Nangolan from the team, he perhaps is the, t- the player that makes us the most weakened if you remove him. But it's a huge improvement from the days where if you just removed one piece, everything fell. And that was Totti. Today, I don't think everything will, you know, fall apart if you remove Nangolan. But I think going forward, we have to find the pieces that make us, you know, less dependent on that one player, if you know what I mean. So if Agreed. so if if Roma continues to just see okay what kind of players uh, if you remove Seco what happens then or uh, Perez now with Florenzi is injured I think we covered for the summer when he, if he returns but you just have to see on the unit and that's perhaps the whole thing for Roma is if we want to compete with Juventus we have to 
stay strong as a unit and, and we have never been that kind of team that's why it's so weird to see this working out so well agreed agreed i want to make one quick note too because i think we've been we just said it now and i've seen it a lot on twitter that the next few weeks from now until maybe aprilish are pretty brutal for roma they're actually pretty brutal for napoli and juva too just to give a quick rundown of their schedule napoli host atalanta this weekend which is not going to be easy Away at Juve for the Copa on Tuesday, and then away at Roma March 4th, second leg against Real Madrid at home uh, March 7th, and then they, but by the uh, first week of April, they're actually playing Juve twice in the span of three days between Syria and the Copa. So they have a tough schedule, and Juve, of course, have Champions League this week. They'll be playing Napoli by the end of the month, um, Milan in March, Porto in March, and then they're away to Napoli twice. So the nice thing is that our, our tough run coincides with pretty tough runs for Juve and Napoli too. Yep. So as long as we, I mean, honestly, I'm, what I'm hoping and expecting for us is to finish second. As long as we match what they do in those games, um, I think we'll come out just fine on the other side. Uh, I do think that we're like a 13, you know, player team. I'd, l- I'd like to see expanding that number a bit more. Um, but, uh, it, it definitely, you know, last year when, when Spalletti came back, it felt like old Roma just because he was there. I'd say right now it feels like old Roma because they're, they're playing, uh, really, really well. Um, they're, they're just, they're a whole lot of fun to watch. And there's it, always this it, moment, uh, you know, that like 2-0 against Torino, you knew that something was a bit worrying. So there, it's, it's not always easy to watch Roma though. <laughs> No, but I mean, I think it just goes with the territory, right? You know, I mean, you you know what you signed up for, so you take it and you you run with it. That's all I got. And famo sto stadio. Yes, famo sto stadio. Yeah, so there, that that goes that covers me uh, saying that we would talk about the stadium today. Yeah. Right. I want. I do want to mention that, Greg. Thank you for reminding me. We did get one question from Twitter, and I. All right. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, we did get one question from Twitter asking if we could go down the stadium situation, and I just. I'm sorry. I closed my Twitter. I don't even know who um, asked it now. It would have been a really great thing for us to discuss. The problem is, it's such a complicated issue that none of the three of us really felt like we were the best to speak on this. Um, Needless to say, it's it is incredibly complicated. It's a combination of infrastructure, Italian government, um, money, possibly xenophobia. There's a lot that goes into the reasons why the stadium's having all the issues that it does. Um, there are much more qualified people out there who could tell you guys a lot more. So in the interest of transparency, I just want to say that um, it's something we're all following, but something that we don't necessarily feel like uh, we're experts in. Uh, so it was uh, Casey's bad ombre was the person that asked that question. Um, what there you go. It is. We talked about that. Summer selling players. Um, yep, yeah, that's we kind of hit or successfully evaded all the questions. And uh, Dan wants to know where the hell have you been? He was worried and was about to call the cops and report. I mean, can, can we? Uh, we can address that and say that we've been very close to doing a podcast about four four different times. We've come close. To yeah. It. And the life came, you know, life happens. And then sometimes, yeah. and, and time zone issue is 
of course, may be the biggest hurdle to do these more often. Um, Agreed. I, I, I honestly marvel when we used to pop these out once a week. Uh, yeah, that was amazing. Maybe life was just simpler for us, you know, at, at that yeah. stage of our individual lives. Yeah, I mean, I was still an undergrad. I don't know what you guys were doing work-wise back then, but it was also this kind of thing is very easy to do once you have a routine and once you settle into we're going to do this every Wednesday at whatever o'clock or right. every Sunday after the game. But yeah, life is just getting in the way. I mean, we always we genuinely try to do this more often, and we always say we want to, but it's it's not always easy. So yeah. it's a more a practical question more than uh, the will, the will to do it. I think so. Agreed. So let's try and do this again then, maybe. Absolutely, I'm in. Me too. All right. All right, everybody. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen. I want to thank Alex and Julian for popping on and, uh, as we say, getting the band back together. As always, grazie Roma. Ciao, guys. Ciao. Ciao.